Yo, yo, to all of our newbie and faithful listeners out there, welcome to the program. Coffee Sometimes is a video and podcast from Valor Coffee founders Ethan Rivers, Riley Westbrook, and Ross Walters. That's me. Every week, we talk about coffee, starting and running a business, and some other stuff in hopes that some of it might be useful to you in your coffee journey. If you enjoy the show, the best way you can help us continue doing this is by subscribing and liking our content on YouTube and following and reviewing on your podcast app of choice. Also, give us a follow on Instagram at Coffee Sometimes Pod, where you can find some real hot short clips taken from the show. Lastly, if you find what you hear helpful, please share on your social media platforms and with your friends who might be interested in learning a thing or two about coffee and running a coffee business. All right. Thanks for listening. And here's the show. Ethan, you want to start us off, man? No. Just kidding, man. Go for it. Yeah, I have a lot to say. Welcome to the Coffee Coffee Sometimes Podcast, Podcast. in which three coners of Valor, Valor, sorry, is it Valor or Valor? Guys, why why do people say Valor? I don't think people know the... English language that well. When we started Valor, one of the things I thought about, or when we named Valor, one of the things I thought about was that it needs to be a word that people can pronounce and they're not having to use mental calories trying to figure out what our company is. But that is what happened. I thought people say Valor. Do people not? Listeners, do you say Valor? Like, not about us, but just like before you knew about Valor or coffee sometimes, did you say valor, and did you pronounce it valor? When you talked about men of valor, or what's another way? The movie, Act of Valor. If you, are, if you read the Old Testament or <laughs> was in the military, or you were in the military, I think you are familiar with the word valor. But do you say it valor? No, no I don't think you do. No. People say, I'd rather velour. Don't get me wrong. Velour. That's if just They're going to get it wrong. Call it velour. Yes. Speaking of sexy, can I introduce you guys in a baby banana? I don't want that. Hard pass. But I love you. Thank you. You, you should hey. just eat all three, and then it'll be like eating one banana. Well, there's four of them. Uh. <laughs> huh. That's awkward, man. That's to my Hey, friend. so remember how um, there was that one time where, Ethan, you got invited to judge a latte art competition? <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> we, they, uh, that's a, it jo- was, that's a joke in itself. Me? No, come on, man. You, you know, good latte. No, you're, you're a latte art champion. But Fellows Cafe in Roswell, which lovely, lovely people, lovely products. We, we just love them. Christina and the team there. Um, they were doing a latte art throwdown, invited one of us to judge it. We volunteered Ethan. Cause I got nothing going on. And, <laughs> And they asked us to uh, send a little, just, you know, like little selfie cam iPhone video. I'd be like, hey, I'm Ethan from Valor. I'll be coming to 
And because we had nothing to do and thought that, you know, there's nothing we could possibly be doing that would actually make us money, we made a really dumb video. And in it, Ethan says, uh, hi, I'm Ethan Rivers, Coner of Valor.coffee. So, dot coffee. So, Coner uh, oh, of the website. <laughs> Anyways. I'm, I'm going to find this. Dude, you guys, please find it. Maybe we can start, uh, have a little pulse check. Ethan, how are you, man? Oh, man. Thanks so much for asking. Um, I'm doing super good. I'm two bananas in to the four baby bananas that I brought. Um, Ross and I just got back from doing an event because we're kind of revamping the catering program that hmm, started our business. Okay. So, Ross, how do you think it went today? You think it was super awesome? You think it was super cool? It was super cool. Should I tell everybody about what I did? I think we, I think we can be honest with our our family here on the Coffee Sometimes podcast. We just call them listeners. You know how like one of the podcasts we like spends a lot of time talking about what they should call the people that listen to it. New Heights podcast. Yeah, the New Heights podcast. Yeah, um, we've never really spent any time talking about that. But yeah, I trust these people with my life. What about hipsters? That could be a good name for our listenership. Hipsters? The hipster. Yeah, sure. I think that really has legs. Anyways, we got booked to do an event. Hey, if you've ever thought about booking our cart, just don't listen to the next or, like no, five do minutes. it and then listen because it's too late to cancel. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so uh, we got a inquiry to be at an office uh, on Monday morning. And uh, the... And we we have a good bit of uh, coffee cart owners that listen to this podcast, so please learn from my mistake. I just straight up didn't put this gig in the calendar, and I was supposed to get there at seven thirty, like with a cart, and I had already sent the invoice and everything. And right, I was you know at seven thirty, I was like I was at the gym in the sauna when I should have been here brewing coffee. I should have been on site at the gig already at that point. You're dialing in. So I'm just, you know, cruising my way into work, you know, doing my morning ro- routine. And Riley texts me and is like, hey, what time's the event? And I was like, what event are you talking about? Why did you say that? Our phone number goes straight to voicemail. And I looked at my email, if I'm being completely honest, while I was on the toilet. That's graphic. And oh. I see a... Whenever a voicemail is left, it transcribes and sends me an email. And it said something along the lines of, hey, just wanted to check when you guys are going to arrive. I haven't heard back. Yep. So uh, that was on me. I did that. We're we're not sure. I mean, it could have been anybody. Yeah. We thought about, um, Riley and I were thinking about making this uh, invisible character in Valor, like this, this employee. Like Lloyd Gross. Employee that doesn't office. exist, and every time that there's a mistake that we make, we blame it on Lloyd mm-hmm. or whoever it is. That way, do you think that's a good idea? Lloyd's such a good name for that. Lloyd, come on! <laughs> like, but but we can never quite fire him. But all he does is make mistakes. Well, he's got kids, he got what, a mortgage. What does the mad guy say to Toby when Toby's acting like Lloyd? That scares him. He's like, "You stay out of, you stay out of Western New York, Lloyd." <laughs> Thankfully, they were very gracious, and they were. It was not a one-time like event for them. It was a. 
it was just an office that uh, had a bunch of people in town for the next couple of days and they wanted a coffee cart at their just morning meeting. So they just rescheduled us to the next day. But I... And it went awesome. It was the worst feeling in the whole world. And I, I screamed in the car. Hey, it probably... You did... I did, yeah. It looks like I'm the chagrined one now. Who is chagrined at this junk? Because my mic just fell off. Can somebody you do help? Can somebody do 44 times 16? Oh. Hey, Siri. 44 times 16. Oh, my gosh. 44 times 16. Who's producing this crapshoot? You guys want to know something else? Yeah. My wife and I just put an offer in on a house. And uh, it was one of those situations where... We Wait, wanted, are you talking to us or to them? You guys. It's kind of how a podcast works. It's, uh, it's like both. So it's like I'm talking to you, but I'm also talking to our listeners. Does that make sense? Honestly, that's a fun thing to, to, to explore, but please continue. So we wrote a personal letter to, uh, to the sellers. You're kidding. Pleading with them to let us buy their house because we – have been looking for houses for like the last year. And I have an opinion on that. Whenever we get to it, just saying. And it's been terrible. And this was the first house that actually like had some value and was kind of worth it. Um, and so I thought, you know, these AI bots on the internet that will write things for you. Yeah, I know a little something about that. So I do all my homework. I thought about asking the AI bot, or I tried to, but I could, I'm not smart enough to figure it out. But. <laughs> Um, but I, Riley, Riley, uh, asked the AI bot for me, like guilty. So what did you ask the AI bot? Uh, do we want to do that first or Ethan's latte art video? Cause we can get to both Ethan's latte art video. for Okay. So I have that pulled up. Uh, it'll be up on the screen for you guys. Here it is. There's a lot of nuance. So pay attention. Hello. I'll be there. Hi, I'm Ethan Rivers, co-owner of Valor Coffee. Thank you. As you can see, I'm a very busy man. But I'll be making an exception in my schedule to come out to the local Latte Art Throwdown at Fellows Cafe, April 15th. And if you're going to be there, I expect you to bring your A-game because I will also be bringing my A-game to grade and judge hey, Ethan, your A-game. Hey, uh, toilet's to- clogged. Oh, I got to go. See you later. <laughs> What's your favorite part of that? My favorite part is that at the beginning, the computer screen is, is a Google search of Ethan Rivers. <laughs> What's your favorite part of that? I mean, that's my favorite part of it. Are you serious? It's hilarious, dude. <laughs> like, you're sitting there Googling your Pounding on the keyboard with your fists. <laughs> <laughs> and I also, just the fact that the video exists is a bit in and of itself. Because just to be clear, hey, no, no hate goes out to uh, Andrew of Tuesday and... Uh, Charles, Charles of Bellwood, but their videos were just selfie videos. Like, hey guys, just want to let you know, like I'll be at Fellows, which was totally, which was what we were supposed to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think we just had, we were just like, let's just be ridiculous with this. It only took like an hour. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Four, five hours. Well, I mean, an hour. We did it in, what, two takes? It took a couple It was a couple. It was more than two. That's for sure. we kept laughing specifically. And that was my favorite part was when Ariel brought the blank piece of paper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, when it just kept going, like, shh, 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 All right, now to chat GPT for the letter that I wrote for Ross. This, to be clear, this isn't what you sent. To be clear, this is not what Ross sent. And I'll read mine for reference. Also, shout out to Dylan Farrell at a Social Coffee. Whoa. He just sent me a text said they just put free throw on cold brew. And man, it's incredible. Ooh. Just wanted to give you all. That sounds really good. Just wanted to give you all kudos for consistently doing a great job. Thanks, Dylan. Thanks, D. My stars. Love you, Dylan. Love you, ma'am. D. Farrell. So we, it, it went away somehow. I don't see it now. But ah. I'm going to do it right now, and it's going to do it on demand. So it'll be great. So let's say... Write a letter to a seller of a house from Ross Walters. Sorry, Ross and Rachel Walters. Walters. Let me read mine first children. before you do that, and we'll compare. Okay, and maybe I can go off some cues of what you said. Yeah, okay. Dear owner of address, undisclosed. What's the address? <laughs> My family and I looked at your house today and we were instantly in love. It was the kind of house we always envisioned raising our two girls in. We love the backyard, the open kitchen, and the central location. The labor of looking for a home for the past year has been a real struggle, but your home was a breath of fresh air. Our three-year-old Giselle even piped up with confidence and said, we should buy this house, daddy, which was true. We own a coffee shop. I like to say that Rachel and I own the coffee shop when it's convenient for me. We own a coffee shop. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) We own a coffee shop in Alpharetta called Valor Coffee, and we are looking for a home that is close enough to be an extension of the community we've cultivated in that area. Our home has always been a gathering place for friends and family. Hosting community at at the address would be a dream come true. While our offer is past the deadline you indicated in the listing, we ask that you would consider us. We are certainly open to a very quick close, but we are also flexible on timing. With gratitude, the Walters. And we did a cute family photo. Wow. wow. Okay. I'm going to say write a letter to a seller of a house from couple Ross and Rachel Walters and their children, Giselle and Phoebe. Mention the struggle of looking for a house over the past year and how the, this house is the perfect fit. Mention the open kitchen. Sure. Go for it. Great. Let's see what it does. Everyone, we all, we've all seen this. We all know. This is old news. But, yeah, okay, yeah, we have to make that clear now. This is old news. Yeah. We, like, we know that you all know about this. Yeah, because that totally matters. There's definitely some of it that's very robotic, but you literally don't have to tweak that much. What does it say? Dear seller's name, we hope this letter finds you well. Our family... <laughs> Ross and Rachel Walters and our children, Giselle and Phoebe, have been searching for a new home for over a year now, and we are thrilled to say that we have finally found the perfect fit. Your beautiful house has captured our hearts, and we cannot imagine ourselves living anywhere else. (laughs) (laughs) From the moment we walked through the door, we knew that this was the place we wanted to call home. The open kitchen has been a top priority for us, as we love to cook and entertain guests, and the amount of natural light that pours into the space (laughs) is just amazing. (laughs) 
We can already picture ourselves hosting family dinners and creating memories that will last a lifetime. Thank you for the opportunity to view your home. We are eager to make it ours and look forward to finalizing the details soon. Sincerely, Ross, Rachel, Giselle, and Phoebe Walters. Such confidence at the Dude. end. <laughs> it's so much better than mine. That's, there's nothing robotic about that. that it, and the thing that's crazy about that is that it's the right length, too. Like, you didn't say how long the letter needs to be. You just, it just like assumed that based off of the situation. It's crazy. You, you can go so detailed with this. You can be like, write a YouTube script in the voice of Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. <laughs> Marley and me, like, coffee. Wow. Hey, uh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. What are we drinking today, Goofin? Um, one of our pit crew members, Sophia, her brother is living in the Philippines. Yep. I think he's a missionary. And he got into specialty coffee over COVID. His name is Nico. He was super nice. He is super nice. Was and is. Yeah, was and is, and hopefully will to come. Is to come. Yeah, is to come. Super nice. He dropped off a bunch of coffee for us when he visited this past week. Maybe a couple weeks ago. Come on. Um, and I have never had coffee grown in the Philippines before. So... This is like, I guess, the most popular specialty coffee roaster in the Philippines. Yagam. Yagam. Yagam Coffee. Yagam Coffee. I like the logo. Yeah, it's cool. Um, Atok Benguet. Um, washed. Tasting notes of molasses, peach, orange, nutty, long sweetness. Roasted on the 17th. Cool. There you go. Yeah, I... This kind of oh, this is from the Cordillera, Philippines, the Cordillera region. It's beautiful this time of year. Um, it kind of makes me think about just this interesting concept. That's really interesting. I think it's going to interest both of you guys and maybe interest the hearts of our listeners. What's it like to drink coffee from places that aren't like known known for coffee, and why aren't they known known for coffee from like a quality standpoint? Because Everybody knows about Colombia, Ethiopia, Kenya, need I say more, other places, Costa Rica. But there's these places that are kind of, maybe it's due to elevation or due to proximity from the equator are just kind of like on the, on the uh, brink of like specialty coffee geographical qualifications sure. that still grow and produce coffee more at a commercial commodity level, probably. China. China, Mexico, but that's starting to change, I'd say, right? I, I would say it has, has changed. changed. Yeah, it Florida, has Florida. <laughs> Baja. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I actually didn't think of the Philippines as one of those. Yeah, what are places? a couple of those? So Thailand, Philippines, China. India. I- India. Um, it says the elevation is 1,400 to 1,600 MASL. Any comments there? No. I think that, that's like South America status. Yeah, I would just call it average. I mean, we've had plenty of Brazilian and Honduran coffees that are lower elevation than that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ethiopians tend to be a little bit higher yep. elevation, right? Yep. But yeah, I mean, it's probably just due to a lot of things that... Uh, you know, like the infrastructure of just the, like there hasn't been a history of growing coffee there. So there's just not, 
that like well-trodden path. Um, yeah, or maybe there is, but it's just domestic or something. Like it just doesn't make it to yeah America. Yeah, I so. would guess so. I mean, if you look on like Cafe Imports pick list or or Balzac Brothers, like our two main importers, are you seeing any of these types of countries on there? I mean, you see some coffees from maybe Hawaii and Jamaica. Yeah. That are incredibly, incredibly high priced. Yeah. I feel like coffees from countries like that are either trash or like the most expensive. They are always, always the most expensive. And I don't want to say anything too controversial here, but they are usually also not very good. Very expensive and not very good. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I wonder, they might not do this with super expensive coffees, and maybe if they heard us doing this on, like if Cafe Imports is listening right now, we might get in trouble, but like, couldn't we just request samples for like Kona coffee in like Jamaica Blue Mountain and like put it in the Ikawa and taste it for ourselves? Like see what well roasted that stuff tastes like for free? Man, we could try. I mean, they could. I mean, it's or is that unethical? I think it's. I would call it unethical. I don't. I. I can't run a poll. Do you guys think it's unethical? I can't say I've ever ordered a sample where I wasn't intending to fill my menu with the coffee that I had ordered. Well said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe if you had a great relationship with an importer and you're like already getting stuff to buy, you're like, hey, could you throw in 100 grams of this? Yeah. Thing. I'm sure they have like just an open sack. That they're just like dishing out stuff. I also always consider like uh, saving favors. Like, uh, <laughs> like if I'm going to ask for a favor, I want it to be like, "Hey, dude, can you rush process? I need uh, you to get this order in in the next two minutes." Yeah. Or my A is G, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a good. That's a good topic. That's fun. If you want to hear more about that, let us know. We've got some hot, some hot takes. Yeah. On some of the origin processing nuance. And like legacy coffees, like Kona mm. coffee, yeah. Jamaica Blue Mountain, cat, know, cat poop coffee. I call them tropical destination coffees. That's what I call them. Like I, I coined that. Are Panamanian geishas starting to yeah. get in that arena as well? Tourist coffee. I mean, but they're, they're good. They're way more worth it. Sure. Than a Jamaica Blue Mountain. I'm just saying those same people are starting to say geisha as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. you always have the conversation. We all of us have heard it a million times. I bet you've heard it in the past two months <laughs> where someone comes in and they're like, oh, I was in Jamaica and I had the best coffee I've ever had. It Nothing will ever beat it. And we know, you know, if we tasted that coffee, we would be like, this is not better than any coffee on our menu right now. Not yeah. Not just because of origin, but... We know that it was it was roasted and toasted. Toasty boy, yeah. You're just ha- you happen to be drinking it on vacation mm-hmm. in one of the most beautiful places in the world, mm-hmm. around the most beautiful people in the world as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, um, yeah, man. I kind of want to like. I'm sure there's people doing it, but I love to hear about specialty roasters in countries of origins coming up. Like, I feel like that's there's a lot of push for that in. Mexico and Colombia of people like keeping some of their good stuff, roasting it themselves and serving it to the people. Because I think for a long time that stereotype stereotype was very true 
of that, like all the quality coffee grown in a region was just sold because that's how you fund your businesses. And then a lot of times the stuff that was kept behind is just like commodity grade or yeah. worse, like defect mm-hmm. batches. But it's cool to see that changing. But if you, yeah, I, I totally agree that a lot of times just the experience of being in a magical place and having coffee can change everything. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's kind of how we run our cafes in a sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for while, sure. While trying to match it with an amazing coffee. Well, think about the coffee experiences you remember, you know. Yeah, how about an Italian espresso? Sorry, espresso. <laughs> like somebody that I hear, I hear somebody say, you know, like one time I was in Italy and there's just espresso bars as far as the eye can see. They're, just walk they're up. everywhere. And all you, you just walk up. You know, it's like all these business people, they just walk up. Everybody says that. I don't know why. <laughs> they just walk up and like just just toss that thing back and they're on their way. You know, maybe throw a little Bailey's in there if it's past noon, huh? And like they always say that too. <laughs> um, but that coffee was probably super dark roasted. It's probably a pre-roast blend. Of, the ratio was 10 in to 5 out. Yeah, super short espresso. We're talking um, grams here, guys. Come on. Yeah. And but that experience though, and there is something to be said of the Italian way of preparing espresso, of course, which is like super caramelly and dark and chocolatey and in a pleasant bitterness. Um and like really, really thick body too. So there's there's something to be said about that that's enjoyable. Um but like we would taste that coffee and be like, This coffee's not for us at all. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm. And it's not up to our standard. But who are we? Yeah. You know. Who am I? Uh, so today, we're going to have a little quick hitter for, for you out there. We're going to be talking bar flow and how, how, how to create an efficient bar flow. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? No, I got to get more hyped up for this. Come on, We're talking man. bar flow, people. Get on your stinking feet. Have you ever wanted to know more about bar flow? I want to see you get out of your chair and just scream bar flow wherever you're at right now. Yeah, come we, on. We can change the world if we all just scream bar flow right now. That's right, man. Uh, you know what, boys? Why do you think bar flow is important? What does like, that, what, yeah, what what does does that it mean? even mean, Ross? What does it, even what does mean? it mean, Ross? Well, it, it means efficiently... And effectively making drinks behind Make the bar. Drink. And that's, if you're solo barring, this will be applicable for a person who's just working behind the bar alone. And it'll be applicable, we should probably approach it from alone and also uh, working as a team. Duo, trio, quartet. Yeah. Quintet. Yeah. And so we were, we were, we were chatting this morning about like, uh, you know, it, it's great if if you're starting out and you know how to make a drink well. Like you know how to make a cappuccino, you steam the milk perfectly, you pull the shot with no channeling, it's all great, and you pour a nice symmetrical high contrast latte art, you know, and serve it. It's great if you can do that. But that actually is not it. That's not all that you need to be able to do. You need to be able to do that over and over and over again with different drinks coming in that are that are all made slightly differently and you need to be able to do it quickly um and and look good while doing it and well i mean to that point like be composed while you're doing it like it you know (laughs) because uh that's just part of part of 
part of running a coffee shop is that you don't make very much money per drink. It's a very low margin. It's a high percentage margin, but it's a low uh, gross, l- low amount of mart of profit margin per drink. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a volume business, baby. And so you got to be able to make a ton of drinks quickly, and every single drink come out to your standards. And there's there's just a method to that madness, especially when you're working as a team and and when you're working by yourself too. Knowing knowing the right order to do things. Do I do this first? Do I do that first? All that. Yeah, and you might be thinking to yourself, why are we talking about this? Because you just said it. Some person takes the orders, the other person makes the drinks. I mean, what what more is there to it? And I would say you're right. We're stop. We're gonna stop now. <laughs> no, right. I like to think we because we've kind of we've danced around some different philosophies, right? And we've heard some different philosophies of like. Um, I remember one was, you know, I'm not going to say their name because I think it's a bad idea. Of course. Um, but Ross was given this idea. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Ross. Um, All right. All right. Now. Remember, you know what I'm talking about where the, the like advice from an expert was like, just make a drink from start to finish and then move to the next drink. Mm. I so, don't, but that I don't sounds... remember that either terrible it was someone who we really revered for latte art and then they were doing a bar flow video and it's like just Mm. go over here make the espresso move over here steam the milk yeah go over here run it and she's like yeah i stick to latte art bro yeah i'm like bro know your spot um but that's like oh a way that a lot of people do it because the reality is when you're in an active space and the reason we're talking about this is because more drinks are coming in than you're making at one time, basically. Mm-hmm. So it's like bar flow, in essence, is what do you do when there's multiple drinks to make? How do you accomplish it? Yep. One idea that we had, just maybe touching on... Sorry. <laughs> uh, remember your bartender idea? Which one? You had to... During COVID... COVID... Uh, we had some the, some silly ideas. We, remember, we started pre-grinding espresso like GMB. Yeah. And then we also tried to do like this bartender thing where we didn't have positions in the cafe, but you were with one. You had multiple people working. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then yeah. you would rotate with the person. Yes. Almost like the... Like like you're making a sandwich for them and you're like just yeah. walking with them and then you're ringing them out and then you're going back to a queue and then you like... Talk to them, take their order, and then you're like, "Hey, let's walk over here and I'll let's finish your drink." Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like Chipotle, but if the the person who started your bowl was the person who did every ingredient and also checked you out. Yeah, yeah. there's I've, I've seen flows like that, and maybe that's extending. I don't know how much we want to extend from bar flow into flow of service, or whether we think that's kind of the same thing. It's two episodes, baby, but. Flow, yes. <laughs> it is a bar flow and flow service thing at Everyman Espresso in New York that when there's a line there, it goes from surge down to the espresso machine. And the guy or gal at the espresso machine takes your order and then makes it and then passes it down to surge where you're rang up. Yeah. So, Wait, so you. You, you get your drink. That first. is the Chipotle model. That is Chipotle. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're, you're, you're you're rang up at the end. Huh? Yeah. You didn't experience that. I'm talking. I'm talking Soho. 
Um, I think I was just like too drunk at 9 a.m. <laughs> on a Tuesday to remember it. No, I don't know. In New York. 18 years old. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't remember that. I remember being to the Everyman in Soho. It was super cool. I mean, it's probably not necessary if there's like not a lot of volume. There wasn't a lot of people, and I think it was just one person working. Mm. I was there when there was a line out the door. Crazy Flex. that one person works there. I'm pretty sure there was just one nice lady there. I mean, I was just blinded by like the eight mythoses they had. They really do. I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't looking at anything else. I was just like, they really what? do be having eat mythoses. <laughs> <laughs> they eating mythoses out how, there. How about we start with uh, minimal amounts of people behind the bar and move to our model of like you know more of an assembly line. So yeah, because we're familiar with one because at the cart we had to operate a one man show. Yeah, and that was hard, but. Honestly, the cart kind of played to our advantage because mm-hmm. it was so small. Yep. You could take orders, small talk, and prep your espressos while you're like ringing them up. Oh, yeah. And really? so there's something to this. Yeah, there's something to that. And then you could, uh, yeah, I mean, you could get their drip. Everything was within arm's reach. And then I, I do you guys remember the flow? Would we just take a couple orders or we just do one at a time i think it was it are are we talking alone we're talking alone Alone. yeah yeah i think i think it was like a couple and then maybe if you this is all under the guise of when we're talking about bar flow there's a line because if there's not a line you just make the drink you make the drink well and and it's we pretty rarely had a like constant line for, at the cart, we I mean, rushes, and it's like if you're if Let's you're Saturdays, if you're solo barring, and three people walk in, and it doesn't really seem like anybody else's, as far as you can tell, just take all three orders and then manage that. Right. And if somebody else walks up, be like, "Hey, I'll be right with Finish you." Finish the three. Yeah, small talk them while you're making the three drinks. Smooth but talk them. But this is a, a good point because if you're solo barring, then it's a pro play to put your register your point of sale as close as possible to your espresso setup yeah and that's not obvious that's Mm -hmm. not how it is usually Mm -hmm. usually the you know the concierge bar or the the um the point of sale is at the front of the space rightfully so and then the uh espresso machine and the grinder are a little bit ways off and that's not if if you have that model, then you're kind of going to be running around a good bit. So you put the grinder by the point of sale, get a conveyor belt, <laughs> put the portafilters on the conveyor belt. You just have like 80 portafilters in the space. Just as a quick aside, I mean, if we're talking about different stations taking like, let's say we had three people behind the bar. Mm-hmm. Write this down, Riley. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Make a spreadsheet. I'm going to ask chat GPT about it. This is a very heavy uh, asset investment because we would have a lot of money tied up in assets. But um, you have three employees. Your busiest day is you have three employees and one support. And you have three GS3s. Yes, GS3. Because it's one one group. And you're, (laughs) you're taking... Taking someone's order, bro, it'd be looking like a bank in there. It's just like, like there's, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, everybody hey, has their just own step station. step right on up. Uh, I can help you <laughs> over here. Guest. Okay, Next so guest. They, you take their order. How long does that take with, with a really nice customer service interaction? 30, 45 seconds? Mm, mm-hmm. Call it. Minute, minute 30. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. All right, so minute. While you're taking the order, you already have espresso pulled. Forget, forget like you're pulling an espresso. Like you already are ahead and you have a shot pulling as they walk up because you're always one espresso ahead. And the probability that they're going to get an espresso drink is pretty high. So you have that. And then like literally they tell you the drink and you're like, that'll be 539. You turn the square register around as they're doing the tip. They're all you're already steaming the milk. And then like by the time that like they they probably would need to wait for their drink for a minute tops. And so you have a a Hi, two, welcome to Valor. What milk will you be having? Right. <laughs> so and, I go ahead and get steaming. Like you have a, a two to three minute per customer interaction start to finish. Like kiss them goodbye after that. There's no more action necessary. Whereas right now they wait in a line, which they would still have to wait in a line in this model. But they have three stations they could go to, so maybe the line would be shorter, but or longer because they're also waiting to get their drink. What do you mean? I don't think in, I'm. I may have misunderstood you. I was thinking in this model they like walked away from the interaction with beverage. Yeah, I mean they're like because every pit crew member that's taking their order is 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 taking the order but also making the drink like as they get the information they're able to just hand the drink right back to them yep. and if it's for here you could even have you know the fourth person the support be the runner um but i, I don't know I, I don't think that's too far-fetched and you're a freak but i like it and that's it's kind of reinventing the wheel it's like right by now using other cues right now we have the the kitchen model right mm-hmm. like the you you place the order with the with the register person and that's all they do that's all the register person does maybe they put in some food whatever and then it as in a, in essence the drink goes back to the kitchen like the line line meaning like line cook like the production line not the line of the customers and then the drink just pops out 5 minutes later 3 minutes later 2 minutes later depending on how busy it is and this is Increasing the points of sale, increasing the assets, aka uh, espresso machine and grinder. It's and really not, etc. A GS3 is like seven grand. And so, I, what you have, I mean, do you buy that? That you just need an, a GS3, a single group? The, the, where it becomes hard or is, or a mod bar, call it a mod bar, okay. or like a, you yeah. know, a single group in a, a Steam yeah. one. Now it's $14,000. Yeah. <laughs> well, for, well, yeah, who knows how much that would be. Um, the problem is when someone comes in and says, I'm ordering for my office, it's going to be seven drinks. Yeah. I there. So I was thinking about that. And I was thinking what's even more common is when two or three people come in together. Yeah. And I would say that's almost like 50%. Pretty high. Yeah. So that's where you have a two group station uh-huh. and two people <laughs> are work. There's the, there's the single line and then you have the family line sure i know you're making fun of i'm not it. i'm not no 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 i, I, don't I am and i'm not yeah i understand but if there was oh, man i don't know i i feel like we might we we might want to try something like this or somewhere you have 
for those higher volume things, you have the the Mavom undercounter super automatic <sighs> that Alex in our YouTube comments Thank recommended you, to us last week. We had no idea. That you were right. Existed. It did check a lot of our boxes. Yeah. Sure. Very Do cool. a little recap on that from last week. Yeah. So last week we were just talking about super autos and how Eversys is very cool. And we think moving in the right direction of specialty cafes being able to use super automatics for high volume purposes, maybe even to complement another machine. But we were talking about how ugly it is and how that's why we aren't going to put one in our cafe anytime soon because we do believe that the espresso is very good and alex said you know what's not ugly the mavam super auto because he checked it out at coffee fest and it was cool and tasted good and it just looks like a normal mavam undercounter pretty much yeah and if you're not familiar with mavam it's it's sort of similar to mod bar mm-hmm. just in that the machine is under the counter and then you have a tap that comes out of the countertop yeah and this thing has three buttons one is for legit i think legit hot water like not from the steam boiler Mm -hmm. and then the one on the left is for grinder one and the button on the right is for grinder two so you have two different espresso options Mm -hmm. and it's uh as far as i know it's like reverse gravity that was the coolest thing to me yeah was that the water goes through the espresso like this for listeners, my hand is moving up. Instead of down. Instead of down. That means anti-gravity. Less channels, so higher sick. extraction percentage. They said the shots were pulling in like 17 seconds. Yeah, coffee flavor compounds like to go up. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> they like to go up. If a party of two or three or five walks up, or you have one person that's like, hey, I'm ordering five drinks for my office, which totally happens every single day. I mean, do you just... Do you just have one of the stations that if you have if you have three stations, station one and two are single group mod bars with a steam wand and a milk pitcher rinser and the full setup of syrups and everything you need to have an expo station. The third station is a is a two group. And that's more of just a traditional, you know, like that that drink may just come up on that kitchen display somehow. But maybe they don't even talk to the guests. They're yeah. just supplementary. Yeah, no, it's just it's more of a it's more of a a line yeah. model where that group order of five drinks or so is being sent to the machine with the higher ceiling. And you have a flex person that could be like, Hey, pull you know, why don't why don't you hit the button on the Mavam uh, three times and get me caught up on some espresso. Well, hey, we're getting really. Yeah, but uh, I could spend a experimental lot of time here. talking about this. Maybe we just get a little bit back Sorry. on track about back, back our current Earth. bar flow at Alpharetta. Maybe we can sprinkle in some Dunwoody talk too. But I think let's just start from the beginning. Guest walks in, walks up to our concierge, and which we is what we call our point of sale mm-hmm. station. Uh, any any conversation about that? Maybe, maybe just we'll quickly mention as far as bar flow goes. We don't like the square register that we have. Cool. Uh, it's a nice piece of equipment that breaks, but the card reader breaks a lot. And hot take: a lot of people really see you, Ross. Yeah. See you, Ross. Ross has to go to the bathroom. Gotta do an interview. <laughs> no, he's got to do an interview in the bathroom. So that we don't like that whenever you do the tip thing, which 
tips are a part of a coffee shop, okay? Get used to it. Get over it. Or... A lot of people don't know that that is on the display. Because I think they're just so used to being prompted with yes. like a movement of like, I'm going to flip this screen around. Mm-hmm. Can you finish this out? Yeah. And I know a lot of people don't like that. Again, I don't care. <laughs> if So we're going back to the square stand. In Which has Dunwoody. been improved. It has been improved and it feels like a sturdy piece of equipment. And we honestly like the iPads at the front. They, yeah. Let's just, let's just control our lights and our music a little bit easier. And when something's going wrong, I feel like you just, there's some peace of mind of like, okay, I can just take this iPad out. Mm-hmm. But like the, the square register is just like a register. Yeah. And so when the touchscreen's not working or mm-hmm. something's just frozen, you're just like, all right, we're screwed. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. Even resetting that thing is a little weird. So sorry if you're listening to this square. They put in the order there. For us, again, we were talking about all these very experimental ideas of the person at the front doing everything. Currently, our concierge, we call him Serge. We call him Serge. Serge will either get, often get drip, they'll get draft products, or or they'll get food. Mm -hmm. I'm talking like a weekday when we're not heavily staffed. Um, And that's kind of their what what they what they do you got anything to say about that yeah i mean the whole thing with surge and what i was gonna get into with ross's idea is so much of bar flow is wrapped around pacing as well understanding how much you can produce versus how much you can intake and properly managing that because i think we all know what it's like to wait in a super long line and then also wait a really long time once we're out of the line or say we order really quickly, but then we're just like waiting around for a long time and you feel like confused. You're like, how did I, how am I waiting for my order for 30 minutes? So like kind of properly dividing that. So concierge can, has a lot of opportunities to take um, weight off of the production team through those things of food, drip, draft, maybe even like, getting some teas and stuff like that. Um, but it's all in the balance of like, they're not going to do a bunch of stuff if there's just people in line and there's no orders to make, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a big part is like staying in tune to how are we maximizing production while also not like over, like flooding the, the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a, a little note, um, from your POS, it is a great idea to not do the print receipt thing. I've been in For many, like print the order? Print the order. I've been in many a bar flow where that happens, especially it does does doesn't work if you're if you're I mean, I guess you put the receipt printer over there. But that's just one more thing to keep track of and it's wasteful. We use a kitchen display mm-hmm. and it also says what time the drink was put in. And gives you cues like green, yellow, red for how long the order has been, you know, in how long the guest has been waiting, and that's huge, for sure. Yeah, the you should have good Wi-Fi. That's mm-hmm. a very oh yeah for sure logistical tip is if you don't have good enough Wi-Fi, but you, typically you have you have a receipt printer, so our backup is like, and we've only had to use it a couple times this year for this past maybe like 12 months, but we'll send everything electronically. But if 
that ever crashes, we can just like go into the settings of our register and just have it print order tickets there. And that's a quick note on Barflow is try to have a backup for everything, right? Mm -hmm. Like if this isn't working, what are you going to do? Yeah. But anyways. For sure. Uh, moving on. Order, how about orders in? How about moving over to the, the brew bar? Yeah. So let's just say the order has been taken. Um, if there's food on the ticket, um, concierge has already probably put it in the oven. And if there's a bar support on that day, so where we'd have to have four people, it's then kind of in the supports wheelhouse to take it out of the oven and get it on a plate or box it up. But then the drinks, the drinks and the food are on the display unit. Um, and we have one position that is like looking at that screen, typically just one person, and then they're delegating like proper action basically on how to tackle it. Um, it makes me think of like when I say that about how like a, a chef grabs the tickets and they're like, we need one chicken. We got two veggies and three porks. Yeah, chef. But what's nice about the coffee shop is we kind of all always have like, um, I don't want to say it's like passive work. Like if we're not delegated something, we're always like cleaning or like prepping espresso or getting things ready. But that position that looks at the screen expo can like give specific delegations that make sure that order is accomplished. So if a matcha comes in, a decaf espresso, um, maybe a pour over, they'll see that and then get the right person on the job. And in our bar flow, we really value that that person stays locked in in front of the screen, which is right by the steam wand, which is right by the syrups and the cups and right where we send the drinks out. So that person's always making sure that things are getting sent out in a timely manner. Um, and that's honestly a hard thing to learn when you're learning to work in a team is like honoring your space and knowing that the best thing for you to do is to not get in someone else's space, even though you feel like you're helping or you feel like you don't want to like in infringe on what someone else is doing. So you're like, Oh, I'll just get the decaf espresso. It's like, well, it's that person's job to get the decaf espresso. So it's kind of a slight to them to not ask them to do it. Um, and that's something I had to learn myself because I was big, like, oh, no, I'll just take care of it. But that just makes orders go slower. It makes people not feel utilized, and then you're going slower again. Um, so we're big on, like, knowing your area and then operating in that. So you got Expo. The person to the left of them is called Brewer, and they're doing, like, pretty much getting the bases for all the drinks ready, like matchas, teas, espresso, decaf, what have you. And they're kind of just sending down those like building blocks to Expo to execute. So that's that's how that structure is. I was talking in a four-man model as well. So when we have Brewer, Expo, and Concierge, then there's a bar support, and they're working like the back line by doing dishes, food, running, um, busing, and then restocking all accordingly. Mm. How do you think that... I would love to hear from our uh, our hipsters, our listeners, on how many people they have on average at a cafe, and like just beyond this person takes orders and this person makes drinks. How how do they go about their bar folks? I'm wondering when I'm saying this, I'm like, is this just what everybody does? Mm. Do you do you remember something different in your days of 
coffee? Yeah, for sure. Spill. I would say... I would say I, I feel like the places I worked, you never had more than three people on, like, at a time. Yeah. And maybe I'm remembering that correctly. Maybe it did get to four at some point. But, you know, a part of it was concierge being a little closer to the espresso machine. So the concierge person would start pulling shots for your other person. Um, but there were also some other limiting factors. Like one of my jobs didn't have a, a milk pitcher rinser. So it was like the output on Expo was lowered because they were over there rinsing milk jugs. In the hand sink. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, something. But I I think we just definitely split it up way, way more than a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just a volume thing. Maybe anyone that's doing our volume does that mm-hmm. because uh, I mean I think the places I was at before have definitely grown and do more volume now just because the industry just continues to grow at at that time I can say that the volume wasn't really close to our current volume mm-hmm. yeah yeah so I mean maybe a lot of people don't roll that way of and maybe we can divert back to like a two-man or two-person system because when we're up to like four or five people, you really can divide and conquer. But I'm thinking about a big lesson that we've learned when you're at like one person or two people is that say there's just one person making drinks and the train of thought a lot of the time can be just, you know, A to Z a drink, go over here, get the espresso, steam the milk, send it out. Um, But something that we try to teach is like, doing these like batches, mm-hmm. right? And it's similar. I mean, so much of this is just wrapped around pacing. So it's like you're you're only taking in so much information and so many orders at one time, no matter how much is, is coming at you. So it's like, all right, I'm going to make four espressos and then I'm going to make four drinks that go with this. And then I'm going to go back to my station. So you're basically spending more like chunks of times in spaces. So you're getting out drinks more in like bunches and then you're prepping in bunches and so i think we all know that when you're doing one task multiple times over it's faster than doing mm-hmm. multiple tasks one at a time that's just science yeah if it takes you 10 seconds all in to get a shot of spro prepped from startup grinder to tamping which is i would say being a little generous you probably do it more what like eight seconds or something yeah it probably only takes you 18 seconds to get three shots. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a great thing. Uh, more portal filters is better. Batch your stuff. And a lot of people are really scared and have strong opinions about picture sharing. Yeah. And I'm just going to tell you, if you know what you're doing, then you need to be picture sharing because you can steam perfect quality milk and you can knock out three 12-ounce lattes at one time. Definitely two. <laughs> Maybe if there's a lot three, of... Three, two and a cappuccino. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on top of picture sharing, a lot of folks kind of balk at the idea of ghosting as well, and that's just when you have something, some sort of stand or block where you can set your uh, milk pitcher on and have it steaming 
and you're doing other things while like just checking for temp and then stopping it. Um, and I feel like Cat and Cloud, like Chris Baca, kind of put that on the map for us, and that was something we really valued because basically if you think about it, a lot of people – Barista – coffee is pretty simple sometimes when you're just making a lot of drinks, and I think to feel – Special. I know I did this when I started. You want to like have a specific method for the way it's you steam milk. Feeling. It's all about you know. Yeah, you like tilt your pitcher and you like you're like going up and down. But in reality, we've always found that like just the most consistent best milk is where you, when you know just where to put it right above the line, and you just let it rip because it's going to add enough air. Air adds volume to your beverage or the milk, so it rises past the steam one, so it stops integrating air on its own time, and then all you're doing is checking for temp, and then you stop it, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. Yeah, if you have a good machine, the variable of the machine should never change. So if yeah. you just know the perfect location of the steam wand, totally, there should never be an issue. Yeah, the only time I don't ghost personally is probably like cappuccino or below, just from the perspective of like power from the machine is kind of thrown around that milk. So sometimes you need to know how, like when to submerge your wand. And to be clear, that's because you don't waste any milk on cappuccino and below. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe I'm wasting a little bit on macchiato. Hey, so, or maybe you drink ricotta. it though, right? Shout out to the people that like batch their steamed milk and make ricotta. Whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think Sidetrack did that for a time. I don't know how to make ricotta. I don't eat ricotta, but... Maybe we can look into it. <laughs> I like ricotta. I'm in. So, yeah, let's see. We talked about batching projects. Um, I think probably just talking about when you're operating in a line, maybe knowing what are the what are the ranges of excellence that you can lean on when it comes to, like, upping efficiency. So we talked about pitcher sharing. We talked about... Um, what did we just... Oh, ghosting. Mm-hmm. And then I think if you have a proficient grinder, knowing when you have the luxury of not measuring every shot or like weighing every mm. shot mm-hmm. and knowing like I'm going to check every third shot and make sure it's still in like a 0.2 range of what I like to cook with. And that is why many people are enticed by this whole grind by weight technology. Yeah. Yeah, because if you can get that if you have a machine give you exactly what you need. In theory. In theory. It's like, ooh, <laughs> I don't have to check yeah. this. It's just the, you know, the scale and that and those things is pretty good. It's just the everything else that's a little bit uh <sighs> new. New. And I'm new. sure it'll be awesome in ten years. Yeah, for sure. Um I'm trying to think, I mean, I think having like when it comes to bar flow. I know Ross talks about this in his training, but having a system for the way that you build the drinks and make sure that everybody's on the same page about that is really huge because typically when it's busy and there's multiple multiple people at play, having everybody know how everything is running is really important. As in like if the person finishing the drinks just has like a row of cups, you should know like what's in every cup, what needs to be in every cup next, and then like why they're laid out in that line, like chronologically, I guess. Um, And so that's why anytime we're building drinks, we always do syrup first, then espresso, and then the milk to end it. 
So that's because if you look at a cup and it's got syrup in it, you know that it needs espresso next. If you look at a cup and it's got espresso, you should know that it has syrup in it. And then mm-hmm. th- they're on from there. Because yeah. there's, I think, specifically when you're doing this, like maybe one person's taking orders, one person's making drinks, and the person making drinks is having to back go back and forth to a station. That means that when that person taking orders is pacing, they're going to come check in. And sometimes they'll just come check in and kind of pick up where you left off. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have like a mise en place kind of space, um, you're creating an inefficiency because someone can't just step in and continue your work. Mm-hmm. So that kind of is a little more undergirding systems oriented, but I think that's very important when it comes to like going through a line and having people hop in and help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, that's probably the most important part is communication uh, because, you know, in that instance where for some reason, like let's say the lab ran out, hopefully you catch that before it actually runs out. But let's say someone's refilling the bottle of lavender vanilla syrup and there is espresso and it's a go cup. You tell the, the people around you, hey, there's there's no no syrup in this yet, just so you know. Mm-hmm. And then they all know. Yeah. Yeah, Easier said than done, right? Communication in a busy environment where you got a lot on your mind, but knowing that you have to prioritize that is pretty huge. Because mm-hmm. one of the interview questions we ask a lot of the times is like, how do you, how do you work in a stressful situation and like a high volume stressful situation? Because pretty much any job you work at, most likely you're going to be stressed about something at some point. And so it's like, how do you react to that? And so some people have, and I, I can get like this too, some people have the tendency to shut down and they won't like communicate. So that's something you really ought to like push against versus there are some people, and I do this as well, when you know when you're like really in it and you're just kind of like talking yourself through it, it's kind of helpful, especially for the team. Mm. Um, so kind of knowing where you land on that and how to push yourself is, is important. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What do you think, man? Bar flow. It's important. We we got a uh, we're doing it a little bit, bit different in Dunwoody. Mm-hmm. We're gonna touch on that. So um, basically, one thing we didn't mention was that the person building the bases for the drinks to get made that position is called brewer. There's also a steam wand on the other side of the espresso machine where that individual is at. And so if they're caught up on espressos and machos or whatever they have, they can start. Um, kind of chipping away the orders by looking over at the like kitchen display system and communicating with Expo of like, hey, do you want me to A to Z that hot oat chai? And that's super helpful. The only thing is that we've done as much as possible to like give them all the tools they need to do that, but there's not a milk pitcher rinser over there and there's not a couple like garnishes and whatnot. Um, So it makes for a little bit of a clunky process to like, if you're a brewer to go like around expo and like finish drinks because the, the idea of a to Z like doing a drink start to finish is really helpful when you're like trying to get through a line instead of like, Hey, I got this thing 70% done. You just need to do this, this, and this. And then you're like, wait, so you already did this part and this part. Yeah. Yeah. Well, blah, blah, blah. So, um, at Dunwoody, we kind of, are trying to group like the espresso station over here on the left side of the bar, not have a steam one over there and then have two steam ones, a milk pitcher rinser in the middle and all the syrups, cups, accoutrement right there so that two people could be executing 
the finishing of drinks at the same time while someone else is doing espresso. Or even if the person that's making espresso gets so caught up, they can kind of go into a new station, get ahead on some drinks, go back to making espresso. And we're excited about that. Mm-hmm. And we're, this is random, but so we run out of ice all the time at the Alpharetta location. So that affects bar flow. That really does affect bar flow. Um, so we're getting a big boy and we're putting it in the back, back of house. That means we have kind of a luxury and a challenge of where do you put ice. Mm-hmm. And so we're, the theory we're rolling with is like a long ice well that kind of goes from like the start and finish of both of those expo stations and then with dividers so that you can plug in like a certain par of milk and milk alternatives and syrups and then have ice in the middle and then that's what you refill. Um, so that'll be interesting. I know I know we talked about it in our equipment episode, but if you have a coffee shop and you're anywhere where people like to drink iced coffee, which is everywhere, you should probably get a bigger ice machine than you think. <laughs> Always go bigger on the ice machine. That's for sure. Any other thoughts, sir? Yeah, I mean, just back on Alpharetta, the biggest limiting factor of that space is that only one steam wand is truly accessible. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's the thing I would change the fastest. And, you know, maybe we will eventually just move to... Maybe Dunwoody will be such a revelation oh, uh, that we just have to get this mod bar separate system... Mm-hmm. in Alpharetta. I hope it is. I wonder if the, uh, this is kind of random, but I think it might be true that the power sources that we had ran for the tone is the same plug and power needed to power a uh, module for a mod bar. You're kidding. Dude, I'm not kidding. Oh my goodness. I'm DA. Dead booty. Uh, I, th- I think that, I think that's, all I have to say to you today. What do you hear? What do you want to hear from the hipsters? <laughs> I, I I'm still curious about like how do you how do you run a coffee shop? What's your bar flow? Yeah, yeah. Tell us. You know, if if you feel so inclined, if, if you want to send this into a an email or an Instagram message or whatever, I, w- I would love to know how busy you are as well. So we kinda, numbers guys. Maybe maybe you are bagging way more cash than us with way less staff, and we're just stupid. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was one thing I was thinking about. Not to not to poo-poo on Ross's idea, but it was something that had to be implemented around it. Was one thing about our system is that we have multiple touch points between guests and pit crew. Yeah. And that's something I love. Mm-hmm. So because that's like the whole experience is humanizing that relationship and you getting to connect with multiple people that value you and want to uplift you Mm -hmm. so if you're getting all of that done in one space that's fine but how do you like build in moments to like well all right we're getting people water we're like gonna bust their tables and we're gonna give them xyz to keep like touch points higher yeah because nothing bums me out more that's not true (laughs) it bums me out when i'm like really excited to go to a cafe and I order, and it's just kind of like a normal transaction. And then I like someone just calls out my name and puts a drink away from them, and they walk away. And I'm like, well, that was the only mm. – I have what I wanted. I have what I paid for. They've done their part. 
and all I did was give them money. There's no like, there's nothing extra. There's nothing extra. Um, and that's picky, but we started a coffee company to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, what, what are intentional, nice touch points that you can create, um, with your guests beyond the transaction? That's, that's huge for us. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Oh, other thing, uh, a second POS in Alpharetta would be really nice. We just don't have anywhere to put it. So we've, we've toyed with auxiliary, mobile, Chick-fil-A style POS, and maybe we'll revisit it, you know? Yeah, I think if it gets busy enough in Alpharetta, and it probably does in the summers, and if we're staffed enough, just almost doing that Chick-fil-A model too of like someone's taking orders, but then at some point someone's just like walking the floor, yeah. you know, because you kind of hit a personnel capacity behind the bar because it's mm-hmm. so tight. So you can have help, but it just has to be in like a out of the from out from the bar way, mm-hmm. and that kind of leads me to my awesome idea of the trivia prize wheel line idea. Oh yeah, that I'm not gonna give away because it could make someone a lot of money, and it'll make roll the wheel for maybe a good deal. Roll the wheel for maybe a good deal. Or and then, or... Gets, him to gets the into the back of the line. That. Get banned from Valor for life. All right, subscribe to our Patreon channel. I'll tell you all about my <laughs> super good idea. Yeah, if you want to see a Valor Patreon channel, let us know. All right, that's going to do it for us. We got to probably like go to Dumbwoody or something. We're in, the, we're in the throes of it. So thanks for sticking with us. And uh, we're excited to keep everybody updated on just how we're going because it's going to be a heck of the next... Six weeks. Yeah. And if you haven't, if you're wondering why I haven't seen Culture Couch, it's because Culture Couch season one, at the least, is it's over. And it's over. It ended with that awesome thumbnail of me saying, I hate you so much oh, yeah. to Ross. <laughs> uh, and the reason it's over is because we are, we're, we're up to here in, in work on Dunwoody right now. So we'll be back with Culture Couch or another auxiliary show in the near future and you're gonna love it <laughs> i can i guarantee it i guarantee it love you love you <laughs>